Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. And welcome to Living Electric. We're both content creators and electric vehicle enthusiasts. And through this podcast, we hope to share our experience with owning electric vehicles and help you join the electric life. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode nine of Living Electric. We're in season two here. We've got a special guest with us today, Jeff Lehman. Is that right? Is that how you pronounce it? Lehman or Lehman? However you'd like to say it, but Lehman. <laughs> Lehman, Lehman. Lehman is correct. Cool. So do you wanna do you wanna introduce yourself and kind of tell people what you're what you're working on right now? Yeah, would love to. Great to be here with you guys. So I'm currently engaged uh, focusing on fleet electrification with a company called eTrans Energy. Uh, eTrans Energy is a wholly owned affiliate of Duke Energy, but it is deregulated. So um, we we are not limited to uh, Duke Energy service territory. Um, we're actually focused very much uh, beyond Duke Energy Service territory and looking at national opportunities to help fleets electrify. Um, Before that, I've been engaged in the electric utility industry my whole career, actually, um, starting uh, in many different roles, but from generation uh, into transmission, distribution, customer, focusing over the last uh, few years, uh, specifically on transportation electrification, and leading those efforts for American Electric Power, which uh, Alex, that's how that's how we met each other. <laughs> that's um, right. <laughs> seems like seems like forever ago, but uh, yeah, really. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it happened. I think it was real. <laughs> so you said you're not just focusing on Duke specifically. Are you reaching out to other utilities, or is it a wide variety of companies you're looking to electrify? Yeah, we're really we're really focusing on customers, so fleet customers, and, okay. and looking to help them uh, transition and transform their fleet. Um, and, and, you know, there's no, there's no specific focus on different regions. We're looking for how we can be, eTrans Energy, how we can be the most helpful and impactful in making that happen. And we can, we'll talk more about, uh, you know, the challenges and barriers and how eTrans Energy is positioning itself to help fleet owners and fleet managers make that happen and make it real. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of fleets that are, they're all over the place in their in their own individual journey. Mm-hmm. Um, some haven't thought about this at all. There are others that have made pretty serious commitments to fleet electrification. Um, and most of those customers that have made very serious commitments aren't really sure how they're going to get there yet. And, and even those that have a pretty good idea, so the more sophisticated customers, they probably have a good idea of what kind of vehicles they're going to need and when they're expecting to get them. But... The charging infrastructure side and the electrical infrastructure piece is—it's a whole new frontier, um, sure. and and there's a you know there's a lot of a lot of pain and challenges that can come with that if those customers aren't prepared and they don't have uh, a, a helpful partner to make it to make it go well. And that's really what we're focused on: making not not only making it happen, but making it making sure that it performs well for customers, uh, provides a, a really good experience so that it's not impinging on their operations. It should make their operations smoother, right? I think this kind of dovetails into a lot of what you guys have talked about on the pod. Am I allowed yeah. to say that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and just in how much more convenient um, electric vehicles can be just on an everyday basis. So uh, that's that's a big part of it. And you know, if, if you do it the right way, it can be a better uh, better operational experience for these fleets and save them money. If you do it the wrong way, it can be worse 
and not say too much. So uh, we're really focused on making sure that we bring that kind of expertise and, and partners and finance, the whole deal, end-to-end um, fleet services to bear to make that happen. For sure. Oh, I was going to say, I think it's interesting with fleets because I feel like they have the best business case for companies switching to electric because oftentimes I feel like fleets, the trucks or whatever cars you're running, they're running a set route every day. You know what they're going to be doing. You know the mileage requirements. And then it's just all about matching a charger to make sure they're they're able to charge up enough overnight. Do you do you see that from the the people you're working with? Yeah, it it depends though. I mean, so it's it's a, it's easier to analyze. So yeah. generally, you do have more stable, fixed, repeatable routes. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we're really focused, eTrans Energy is focused on return to base operations. So where where having a fleet depot is already part of their approach to okay. their fleet. Um, and where electrifying at that fleet depot then makes their life easier. They don't have to go anywhere else to go refuel. They don't have to have their their drivers stop at a gas station and refuel and spend their precious time um, waiting for, for gasoline to hit the tank and potentially going out of their way or interrupting their route. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's uh, a, a helpful part of it. At the same time, you, you find... Um, there's some natural separation in terms of which fleets will see the most benefits, right? Mm, so there yeah. are some fe- fleets that have very um, repeatable fixed type routes, but they might be very low mileage. Mm. So those are not going to see the kind of benefits uh, from a from a financial return standpoint as higher mileage. Gotcha. And then there's also on the other side of that, you may have some fleets that are incredibly um, mileage intensive, where it just may be very difficult to find appropriate vehicles today. And obviously, we're gonna we're gonna get there, um, but there may be uh, the vehicles that would fit that application might be too expensive to make sense as we sit here today. Yeah. Um, and the charging profile to fit that kind of extremely high use fleet operation um, would then require much higher power charging. Um, more, uh, you know, much less dwell time if you think about, you know, really, really high mileage fleets. Um, so all of that is, is part of the analysis. And, and what part of what we're bringing to bear is, is thinking about this strategically. So thinking about all of those things, not just electrifying something because you can, but working with fleet customers to look at their fleet, to look at their operational profile, to look at their electric utility and their tariff and the rate impacts, and, and put all of that together in a way that makes the most sense and lay it out over time so that you're doing these things as they are um, fitting, fitting your operational profile as vehicles are available and, and doing it in a way that's gonna maximize efficiency, maximize emissions reductions, maximize cost savings. So Jeff, obviously it sounds like there's like a lot of factors that play into this. How do you determine like which industries you work with? So a lot of it right now, um, there's, there's a, a large number of, of fleet of companies that have fleets, um, that are uh, pretty, pretty, pretty sizable, have commitments, have expressed a desire to electrify. Um, I'm, I'm not, uh, some of the folks that we're talking with, I, I unfortunately can't, um, can't mention who they are at this point in time, but um, but tr- uh, transit agencies, so um, 
people moving type applications with buses is a big one. Um, and we are, there's an ongoing project uh, with that eTrans Energy has with the Charlotte Transit system, CATS. Okay. Um, so that's, that's a, a, a transit agencies have a really good financial outlook when you look at electrification of large, large buses um, and, and their mileage profile, right? They're very, they're, again, fixed routes, but mm -hmm. they're, they're in a, in a pretty good spot where they have a lot of miles, but they're not 24 hour operation generally. So mm -hmm. you have a nice mix of, of high utilization, um, but plenty of opportunity to charge, whether that's primarily we think at, at depots in the near term, uh, but mixing in on out charging at some point in the future. Okay. But yeah, there's a, a lot of it is is looking to 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 partner with customers and reach out to customers that that need some of this help. And there's a lot of there's a lot of whether it's municipal fleets, um, yeah, utilities, utility customer fleets that are looking at that are that are asking for proposals and looking for help on this front. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a mix of, of, of us identifying some of those earlier movers and being in a position to, to help them and responding to requests and, and uh, what we see in the market. What do you think the big, is the biggest hurdle for people right now? Is it an education thing where they just don't even know where to start? Is it a cost thing? Is it a resource? Maybe there's just not a, a vehicle that fits their needs. The biggest thing right now, so there's a, there's a fair number of fleets that are interested in moving forward, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to move forward or they don't know the best way to move forward. That's really the, the biggest barrier right now. Um, and, and all of the things that I sort of mentioned before, um, what, what vehicle is the right vehicle? They might have an idea or maybe they've talked to somebody that they think it's the right application, but how will it actually perform in your operations? Mm -hmm. um, what, where are your facilities? Where are your, you know, where, when are those vehicles at your facilities? What is your uh, utility? What do your utility characteristics look like? Um, and what kind of charging profile would make sense? And what does that mean from a cost standpoint? Um, and, and then, so that's just kind of to get everything up and running, but then also looking at how are we managing all this stuff over time? How do you want to yeah. finance it? You have capital to deploy. And E-Trans Energy can bring capital to bear to to make that fleet transition happen. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the, the maintenance operations, um, all of those things are generally not completely thought through by customers, even if they know that they want to start a transition. Um, so they, they, they're getting to this point where they're they're interested in taking the next step, but they don't know which direction to go or, or how big the jump is actually going to be. So, yeah. We yeah we're 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 looking to uh, in in that first group of of those types of fleet customers where we know they have an interest there's a there's a big opportunity to help them know how to take that next step and and to be successful and that's a really important part of it uh, sure. making sure that they aren't having a a poor experience with their first phase or you know first couple phases of fleet deployments because. Yeah. You know, if that happens, that they're they're going to say, "All right, hang on, you know, yep. let's 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 think about this again. Maybe it's not right for us." So mm -hmm. uh, that's that's a big part of what we think about as well. I I think it's just impressive, and like Alex and I have talked about this before, that like education is such an important key part to like EV adoption, and I think it's just 
so impressive what I'm hearing already with E-Trans, um, uh, sorry, e is E-Trans Energy, is that the? E-Trans Energy, that's right. Okay, sorry, <laughs> still waking up. <laughs> no worries. Uh, yeah, so basically what I'm really impressed with is that you guys are providing this, the entire solution. It's not just you're throwing an electric vehicle fleet, you're providing the education, the analysis and everything. To me, that's really, really impressive. We're, we're definitely finding that customers are, are receptive to that and, and it's, it's helpful and, and augments kind of where, where they're at. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to meet them where they are and, and help them accomplish their goals in this space. Do you see a lot of people that are, I'm sure it depends on the company and what kind of capital they have too. Do you see them saying, okay, we've got this older vehicle that we need to replace. We're going to switch that one to electric, see how it goes. Or do you see people making like a bigger investment up front where they're like, we're, we're just, we're going to replace our whole fleet. Yeah. Um, it, it really depends and depends on the type of, of customer or organization that they are. Right. They, nobody has limitless capital. Yeah. Um, some, some organizations don't have any capital, right? So think about municipalities, they've got annual budgets. And so there's, there's so much that they can do every year. And beyond that, they've, they've, there are some avenues, but none of them are particularly easy in terms of finding additional dollars. So, yeah. um, before, before I keep going there, I was going to mention, uh, Brandon and Alex, I should, I should have mentioned eTransEnergy.com. Just, just in case uh, anybody <laughs> wants to dig in a little bit more, um, it is out there. Uh, I right. think I have a, an old headshot of myself even on the website. Unfortunately, I need a, <laughs> I need, a I need an updated picture. Um, some one of these days I'll get that. But yeah, eTransEnergy.com. It really, it really comes back to, to capital. So, in as as fleets begin to go from where they've been in gasoline and internal combustion engines to where they're going in electrification. There is, as you're making that move initially, there are some capital hurdles that you have to address. Yeah. Both today, and it's not going to be like this forever, but today we're seeing some premiums on vehicles. So mm -hmm. there's some additional upfront cost in the vehicle, but the infrastructure especially, right? So as, as you're looking to do this now to make a really good fleet experience and fleet operational or and looking at fleet operational success, having that infrastructure in place so that your fleet and your drivers can depend on that infrastructure where and when they need it and, and for it to be as, as easy, cost effective, um, and, and overall supportive for your goals as possible. But you're not going to need to do that forever, right? Yeah. Once, once you transitioned your fleet, um, and depending on how, how quickly you need to do that, at some point, you get into a, a into a situation where you're reusing a lot of that infrastructure over time. Um, there certainly is, you know, maintenance on, on equipment, but a lot of the hard infrastructure leading up to uh, EVSC. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the with the term EVSC, uh, yeah. but what we <laughs> do in air quotes, what we call chargers, but they're actually you know, for level two chargers. They're just a, <laughs> they're a glorified light switch. I've said that before. Um, <laughs> But, you know, so, you know, those aren't going to last forever. But in thinking about, uh, you know, cable, conductor, conduit, um, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that has to happen initially that will last many decades and is not going to need to be to, to be uh, messed with or or replaced. But you have to you have to get it in place as you're transitioning your fleet. So Definitely. those those kinds of capital barriers, even if organizations have capital, that that kind of capital requirement 
especially even though you may have a really great total cost of ownership reduction opportunity, if you've only got so much capital, that's going to dictate how much of your fleet you can transition um, and may not meet your goals, right? If you want to transition 85% of your fleet by 2030, but you've only got capital available to transition 10% of your fleet by 2030, you're, you're not able to meet your goals, right? So you either need yeah. to go get capital somewhere else, or that's where, where eTrans Energy can really help and roll all of this holistically into something as simple as a, you know, your, you pay a cost per mile um, for, for vehicle, infrastructure, operations, maintenance, everything can all be rolled in mm. to a very simple, you know, dollars per mile, dollars per month, whatever works for customers. Um, so that so that that capital barrier doesn't hinder their transition plans. Have you uh, gotten to check out any cool big trucks or cool fleet vehicles in your in your work so far? I'm, I have. I'm curious about that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was out I was out at Act Expo uh, a couple weeks ago. Traveling yeah. is very strange now, but um, <laughs> it was it was a great a great show. Um, this was the first time that I've actually been to Act Expo, and others that I've talked to have been there before, and it was predominantly compressed natural gas. I mean, that's kind of a lot of what that expo was about. This year, I, this is this is me. This is my perception at the show, but it really felt like it was about eighty-five percent electric at wow. at the expo. Maybe. 10 or 15 percent compressed. Well, probably 10 percent CNG, maybe 5 percent hydrogen. So um, there's okay. been really kind of a wholesale turnover in response to where you know where product is going to be available and, yeah. and commercially viable. So so yeah, there are lots of really large vehicles. Uh, <laughs> um, I was able to get up in a in a Lion Class Eight cab. Um, you feel really, uh, really powerful up that high. It's, uh, <laughs> like you think, you know, you look at it and you're like, oh, it's a big truck. And then you get it and you're like, oh, this is a big truck. Um, and I was able to drive a, uh, a Lion class six cab as well. So they had kind of a little, a little ride and drive, but it's really, um, it, it's, it's telling the fact that you could have, uh, you know, medium and heavy duty, ride and drive, which are, with a bunch of people that are novices, right? That tells you how, <laughs> how easy it is to drive these trucks. And that's a big yeah. advantage for drivers, fleet drivers. Uh, yeah. the, the experience of uh, improved cab experience for them, mm -hmm. um, where they might be for you know many hours a day, um, re reducing their, their stress levels, making it easier for them to do their job, making it quieter and smoother. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really cool. Uh, it was a, it was a big truck, but it didn't feel like it when I was driving that around, which is Interesting. exactly what you want. What's the zero to 60 time on that? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think we, we kind of had a loop, so I didn't get a chance oh. to really put my foot down for any extended period of time. But, uh, yeah, funny. it's, it's no slouch. I mean, you know, having, having torque available, um, right away still, that's that's part of why the experience is you know driving is is it's better. That's just, <laughs> yeah. That's is. is um have you talked to drivers at all? Has there been any pushback with switching to uh, electric, or have most of them been kind of open to it? 
given it's kind of a more comfortable drive? Yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, once you get drivers in these trucks, the the general response, and I haven't done a direct survey um, <laughs> that I can point to. So this is this is qualitative, not quantitative, but consistently those drivers are they have good things to say um there's generally you know we're humans right so yeah. anything new and different is initially going to be met with um you know at, at, at minimum skepticism um potentially resistance so that's another piece of uh, so again going <laughs> it's a good it's a good segue um into part of what we do with e-trans energy is is not it's part of our analysis work is to understand where your organization is and what kind of change management may need to take place so that your your fleet transition and the, the drivers, your employees that are an integral part of that fleet transition are all successful together. Um, but, but yeah, generally uh, helping to get some of those folks experience. So doing things as simple, you know, this is nothing new to you guys, but doing things as simple as, uh, you know, a ride and drive at some point before you have some of those fleet deployments, so that so that you're you're getting those employees to buy in and understand yeah. that okay, this is I'm not you're not throwing me out there in a in a science project. It's a real truck, mm-hmm. and oh, this I actually like how this drives. This is pretty awesome, um, and and that really helps to create some some positive forward inertia. Uh, well, positive not not inertia, positive <laughs> progress, yeah. uh, reduce. Uh, organizational inertia going forward. So what are some of the common questions that you receive, like after somebody who has never experienced like an electric semi or something along those lines? Like what are some questions you receive? From drivers? Um, We we haven't, we haven't, we haven't worked with a lot of drivers specifically yet. So we're getting there, um, as I mentioned. So we, uh, E-Trans Energy is a, is a startup um, where it's, 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 Strange to say that, but we are, um, and so we have we have ongoing projects like I mentioned with um, Cats in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so that's really where we're going to have some of our initial driver experiences and and get feedback within that overall project, and that's being implemented right now. That's moving forward very quickly. Um, a lot of the other projects that that we're working on and customers that we're working with, we're not quite to that point yet. So there's a lot more to come there. Um, nothing, unfortunately, that I can definitively share on that front yet. So maybe, maybe you can have me back in the future. I might have an answer. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we great. are definitely continuing this podcast. So absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, um, I don't think we talked about charging too much, but I think, uh, I think it varies so much depending on the application. One issue I've heard from a lot of fleet owners is, Hey, my, my drivers take their truck home at the end of the night. That's like their vehicle that they use to commute in to get to meetings or whatever. And then they drive home and park it at park it at their house. What's what's kind of your solution to that, or do you have any right now? I guess. Yep. Yeah, we're working with customers that have that situation right now as well. Okay. So that's that's not uncommon. Um, and and part of that is understanding which you know what portion of your employees are are going to be able to charge at home mm. um, if they can as and that it's basically a, the consumer experience for a work vehicle yeah and it's incredibly convenient incredibly easy if you have access to electricity where you park mm-hmm. um, so making sure that 
that that can happen, understanding what those costs are. Um, but there's varying approaches um, we've seen, and, and I, I can pull you know back to my old utility hat on. Um, we we were looking at at doing this in a way where you know you can do something as simple as a sort of a, a stipend. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated, um, mm. and realistically, making it more complicated is your your cost of implementation is going to exceed the cost of electricity that <laughs> yeah. that a fleet driver would actually incur at home. Um, but that said, so it can be something very simple, almost like um, you know waiving a, a parking fee. So it, it it can be something that's that's very simple to execute and easy for fleet drivers, such as a, you know, a, a sort of a predetermined stipend. You kind of know how much people are driving, just a, a quick and easy reimbursement. Again, because electricity is so cheap, um, it, it doesn't add up to much when you when you run the numbers based on what that stipend would be. But we're also working with uh, automakers and looking at vehicle telematics as a really simple and easy way to understand specifically how much charging is taking place at a specific location um, and and then it can be reimbursed that way so um, all all automakers have these kinds of capabilities um, and most fleets are going to be using that kind of data in their fleet management platform so it's 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 in general can be as simple as leveraging data that's already available that they just may not have needed to use before so there, are some some automakers have have very specifically mentioned this kind of capability to fleets as they're communicating with them, um, the ability to serve those customers, use telematic data, um, understand exactly the you know which how many kilowatt hours are their drivers charging at home, and that leads directly to uh, a reimbursement to that employee. So um, the the easier we can make this and and remove management hassle of, of whatever that cost is, the better it's going to be overall for the for the drivers and for the for the fleet managers as well. So, uh, yes, there's multiple ways to approach it. I think we have a lot of good options. I will say, I think that's one benefit of driving electric is that so many of these uh, EVSEs offer some type of like data export like files and it's just super easy to retrieve versus, you know, versus like what you might get from like a gas powered fleet. I, I know that there's different like tracking devices and things like that, but like you can't exactly export data from a gas pump. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that that's one thing as a data nerd, that's something I, I appreciate when it comes to driving electric. I'm sure that helps out. Yeah, um, we, we try and definitely keep that in perspective um, because sometimes, um, you know, those the, the ability to collect data um, in general has some kind of cost associated with it. So mm -hmm. if I were as a fleet manager, if I'm going to pay uh, to install a, a premium product, so a premium networked product at my employee homes, and then I'm going to pay an ongoing fee to access that data, the, the combination of those costs can easily exceed, you know, an alternative where you're just using vehicle telematics and, and, and doing it in a way. So, so we yeah. definitely like to keep all of that in perspective and keep all options on the table because depending on the application, we want to make sure that, that our that customers that we're working with have the right solution set for their application, whatever mm -hmm. it is. 
Yeah, actually, I didn't even put that together. It's almost like a Netflix subscription, and then you get Hulu and like all these other, and then it just kind of piles up. So <laughs> that definitely put it into perspective. <laughs> so I do have a personal question for you, Jeff. Um, since Alex and I, obviously, and I know you're an electric vehicle enthusiast, I got to say behind you, I thought those were pictures of geese and ducks. And then I realized they're charge cords, <laughs> <laughs> especially the Tesla, the one, it looks like a goose. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so I just have to know, what are you excited about when it comes to like an electrified future? Like what cars are you excited about personally? Um, so first of all, for, so the, the, pod will not have visuals, so this is not going to come through well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I got to remember that. My wife was very kind in helping to kind of set up as a kind of surprise from her to me, uh, kind of a collage of pictures of, of EV charging taking place. So, oh, that's really uh, yeah, I definitely not that. geese. I am not. <laughs> I a, love it. I just, I have to geese. say, when I realized there, there were cars charging, I'm like, I love that. I just thought maybe you like ducks or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the thing, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited for the, for the F-150 Lightning. Um, I've, been, uh, I've been driving electric. Our whole household has been electric for at least three years, I think more than three years now. And I've been driving electric personally going back, boy, almost a decade. That can't wow. be right. Not quite. Not quite a decade. About, about <laughs> seven, eight years. So, um, I guess you could consider that the better part of a decade, depending on <laughs> how you're looking at it. But, um, but yeah, it's it, the F-150. I think just for overall market perception, like you know, the three of us <laughs> have put in a lot of miles uh, without gasoline. I've taken a lot of long trips. I mean, I. I used to drive a Model S. One of them I picked up in Denver and drove it back here to, to Columbus, Ohio, where I live. Wow. Um, and it was just easy. I mean, it, it's, it, there's a lot of uh, concern, rightly so, it's new and different, um, but it, it's really a great experience generally, and it's getting better all the time. Um, but having, having a truck, having an electric truck available, no disrespect to, tex to, to Tesla, but an electric truck available that looks like a truck, <laughs> looks familiar. Everybody goes, oh, that's a truck. Okay, I get it. Um, and that's a real truck. Like, you know, Ford has a lot of experience building trucks mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and lots of fleets use lots of Ford F-150s. So um, that's kind of, a, that's an important turning point for me, just in terms of market perception um, sure. that, that I hope will make it even more real to a lot more folks. One, one question, well, you, you guys may well, this may or may not be useful, but one thing that I do get a lot, um, and uh, you know, as an ex sort of ex utility person, I also got this on the on the consumer side before the the like, oh my god, the the grid is gonna crumble. Um, what are we gonna do? This is it's never gonna work, and it, the, and electricity is gonna get crazy expensive, and all these kinds of things, right? Uh -huh. um, and you could you could look at the same thing from a fleet perspective, like how in the world are we ever going to support all of these fleets? Um, it's it's really not. So just looking at from from my old utility experience, generally, it is not an, an a difficult situation to manage. Um, if every single vehicle was electric overnight, it would be a little bit more difficult. Um, but in general, in, in lots of regions in the U.S. There's a lot of uh, a lot of capacity on the system that we can utilize if we're smart about it. So that comes mm -hmm. back to 
uh, charging management, energy management, um, and and it doesn't take a lot of hard work to to make that possible, and really successfully integrate large percentages of the overall vehicle fleet without causing any detrimental detrimental um, impacts to the grid. Um, so that's that's one thing that um, I certainly hear that a lot. I don't know if you guys do, but yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something that utilities are, I mean, that's their wheelhouse. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're well suited to take care of uh, ongoing uh, system, system growth, system reliability, and system needs. And because this is going to happen over, you know, uh, many years as we look forward, this is, this is not a, a difficult problem to solve. Yeah. It's one that will have to be addressed over time, but it's, it's not, it's not difficult. So, um, Try and, try and help put that in perspective as well. For sure. Because I think the biggest issue, and this is how I usually explain it to people, is it's our peak load is an issue, obviously. We've got to have capacity to support peak load. Um, but then those big swings in, in electrical demand as well. So adding EVs to the grid, especially if they're charging overnight, it can actually help a lot of those problems because you're kind of smoothing out those demands versus having these big swings throughout the day. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, I, I've as a as an ex uh, regulatory witness now um, <laughs> downward downward rate pressure that was that was uh, one of my go to phrases which is not okay. very consumer friendly <laughs> that <laughs> phrase but but it's that it's that same idea right there's a whole lot of fleets and a whole lot of consumers mm -hmm. that are going to be able to leverage energy and electric capacity during periods where there's there's not high demands on the grid. And the more of that that happens, it's actually improving system utilization mm -hmm. and it helps to, it has the opportunity to help reduce costs for all electric utility customers. Yeah. So it's it's a great, it's a great uh, opportunity for all of us in this transportation space. I think I might need to do more research on utility lingo. <laughs> <laughs> And that's, I feel like so, I'm just observing right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good education. <laughs> so it, that's actually a, an important point in this whole fleet transition space is you've got two two sort of industries in their own right, um, fleets and fleet managers mm -hmm. and utilities that have never had to talk to each other before. <laughs> um, so in addition to providing you know, full wrap end-to-end -end services to help customers make all this happen, that's a key connecting component that eTrans Energy provides with the ability to to make that translation easy and, and eliminate that barrier right up front so that we're helping, we're helping the fleet manager, our fleet customer, uh, effectively communicate with the utility and vice versa. So they understand um, each of their different perspectives, because as as you know, Alex, as, as we know, um, utilities like to talk in terms of you know capacity and peaks and KW and mm -hmm. uh, load factor, and all, none of that means anything to fleet managers. So yeah. fleet managers are used to talking in in gallons, and so there's there's just this big middle area that um, we you know eTrans Energy is is well positioned to help with as part of that overall fleet transition and, and making it successful. Yeah, so Jeff, really appreciate having you on today. Um, really educational on the fleet side. I don't think we've talked to anybody this in depth about this stuff before. So do you want to give everybody where to find you guys if they're 
looking to switch their fleet to electric? I know you mentioned it earlier, but absolutely. Yeah. Um, head over to eTransEnergy.com. Uh, there's some some good resources there, um, and just to kind of educate yourself a little bit on some of those fleet items, as well as get in touch with us, and we'd love to talk more and, and help uh, help make your fleet transition a success. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you on the next episode.